Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. It's time to protect your pension. Retirement savings are being squeezed at both ends by the shrinking lifetime allowance and the threat of pension tax breaks for higher earners being scrapped. Should the government stop tinkering with tax relief? Former Pensions Minister Steve Webb enters the debate. And if you're in the million-pound pension danger zone, there are steps you can take to minimise a tax hit on your savings and experts explain how. And what about the pension funds that manage your money? We hear from FT Money columnist Daniel Godfrey, who thinks it's high time they stop charging investors extra for broker research. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Josephine Cumbo, the pensions correspondent, and I'll be giving you all the weekly money news in downloadable form with the help of special studio guest Steve Webb, Director of Policy at Royal London and former Pensions Minister, Tom McPhail, Head of Retirement Policy at Hargreaves Lansdowne, and Daniel Godfrey, the former head of the Investment Association. First, the government likes to say it's on the side of savers, but in recent years, pension savers have been getting a very different message with tax breaks for retirement saving having been slashed. In April, the, the limit which governs how much can be saved into a pension over a lifetime and benefit from tax relief will fall to 1 million, having stood at 1.8 million in 2010, with savers who breach this new lowered allowance facing big tax penalties. In a column for FT Money this week, Steve Webb, former pension minister, argues the lifetime allowance should be scrapped. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Now, while you were in office, you understood the need for governments to control the costs of tax relief. But you're now arguing that the lifetime allowance is not the best way to do that. So what's wrong with the lifetime allowance? I've always thought it's very strange to have a cap on not the amount you can put into a pension, but the size of your pension pot. So, for example, if you invest well, you can go over the pension pot limit and face penal taxation just because you've invested wisely. Or if you're a certain distance through your working life, you find yourself potentially worrying that you might accidentally save too much. And that's a crazy message for government to be sending. So by all means, let's look at how much people put in each year. Let's look at the rate of relief, possibly. But to say every year you've got to be checking against a lifetime limit, having a whole industry of planning seems to be a crazy message for government to send. But the government says cutting the lifetime allowance is not really going to cause a headache for most people and will only affect the wealthiest 4% of pension savers. But you disagree with this? It's a question of where we're going with pension saving. Clearly, we want more people to be doing pension saving and saving more money. And 
over decades if this policy stays in place, with the limit maybe being a million indexed only to price inflation, more and more people, not the super rich, but people with decent jobs and long service, will start hitting the limit. And we really don't want to send that message. By all means, let's look at annual limits and how we do that. Let's look at the rate of relief and make sure that the people who need the most help are getting the most help. But let's not then, say, have an extra cap that comes in at the end and hits you for the crime of saving too much. While you were in office, the lifetime allowance was cut, I think, three times, three decisions from 2010. What problems has this caused for savers? Well, I always took the view that pensions is not just for Christmas. It's a long-term business, and that's why the reforms I tried to take through at the DWP were all about getting the long-term foundation. Did you lobby right. the government to get rid of the lifetime allowance? I often spoke out, but of course, not being a Treasury Minister, tax was completely off-limits. You know, one occasion, the tax relief limit was cut, and the day I found out about it, it was Budget Day. So it was guarded very jealously by, by the Treasury. And I simply took the view that three changes in six years, it just became a pot for the Chancellor to dip in when he was short of cash. What we need is long-term stability. And the problem it causes is you have great complexity, you know, transitional protections for people who fell between the cap and above the old one and below the new one. There's going to have to be new ones for this year's change. It's just riddled with complexity. What we need is a simple, clean system, fair tax relief each year and not worrying about lifetime limits at all. Thank you very much, Steve. That was Steve Webb, former Pensions Minister and Director of Policy at Royal London. And you can read his column online now at ft.com forward slash money or pick up a copy of FT Money this weekend. Still to come on the show, why fund managers should stop paying extra for broker research. Before that, if your pension fund is butting up against the lowered £1 million lifetime allowance or has even surpassed this figure, don't despair. There are steps that retirement savers can take to avoid a 55% tax penalty if their savings exceed the allowance. And I'm joined in the FT studio by Tom McPhail, Head of Retirement Policy at Hargreaves Lansdowne. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for joining us today. Firstly, can you just explain what the lifetime allowance is and how the charge works? The government set this ceiling that you are allowed to accumulate in your tax-privileged pension pots without suffering a tax charge. But once you go over the ceiling, and it's set at an individual level, so for most people it's currently 1.25 million, it's about to go down to 1 million. Once your savings go over that threshold, when you come to draw on your pension pot, you will be subject to an additional tax charge in respect of the money in excess of that ceiling. Now there are things that you can do to protect yourself against this, and you can create your own individual lifetime allowance, which might be slightly different from everybody else's lifetime allowance. But this is where the complexity starts to come in. You have to apply for these protections. And in fact, we have two levels of protection being introduced this year on top of the many layers of protection that have been introduced in previous years when they've made previous cuts to the lifetime allowance. How will you know if you're going to have a problem, though? Because Steve has just this, spoken well, about investment growth and you uh, could be well below the limit. This so how is do you absolutely identify? one of the problems. Is If you are already over £1 million, the new threshold coming in in April of this year, then you know you've got a problem and you should be looking to apply for protection immediately. But there are also people who might have £800,000 in their pension pot already. They're in their 50s. They're looking ahead and wondering whether they should keep contributing. And for them, it gets harder. And indeed... Looking at the inflation linking they've introduced for the lifetime allowance, potentially people even in their 30s or 40s could get caught by this. With investment growth above. With investment growth, with contributions in the decades to come. Now, to those younger people, I would say, do not worry about it for now. 
keep saving, keep accumulating your pension pot, because my intuition is that sooner or later something will change. So for younger people, I think it's less of an issue, though it's still not a good situation. For people closer to retirement, it is genuinely problematic. Should I opt out of my pension scheme, even though I'm not at a million pounds So would you yet? say someone who's 10 years out of accessing their savings, even in their mid-40s, should they be looking at this if they've got a pension fund of six fifty, seven hundred thousand pounds or there more? is no hard and fast rule, so I don't want to put a number on it because it also depends on what private savings you've got, what rate of contribution your employer is willing to make for you. There may be situations if you've got a non contributory pension scheme where it might make sense, for example, to dial down your own contributions but to continue to benefit from your employer's contributions while you redirect your money into an ISA just to minimise the risk of breaching the ceiling. But you've also got to look at the assumptions you want to make about investment growth and your investment strategy, and they too will all influence the likelihood of your breaching the ceiling. So there is no simple answer to this, but I would certainly advocate anyone looking ahead who might be caught by this, who's got a pension pot in the high hundreds of thousands in their 40s and their 50s, perhaps to be talking to an advisor or at least investigating it for themselves and running through these kind of assumptions. Right. And so there are protections you mentioned. Could you just briefly tell us what they are and what you need to do to be eligible for? Briefly, the two options are you can go for fixed protection, which means your lifetime allowance is set at 1.25 million. That only works if you make no further contributions to your pension. So you have to opt out by the 6th of April and put no more money in. Your other option is individual protection. If your pension pot is already over one million, you can apply for individual protection. You can keep contributing, but your personal lifetime allowance will then be set at whatever your pension pot is worth on the 6th of April. Thank you very much, Tom. And perhaps um, Mr Osborne will be listening to the podcast today and uh, heed Steve's calls for the lifetime allowance to be scrapped because it is quite complex and, and traditional. And it's hugely unpopular across the pensions industry. I absolutely agree with Steve. I don't know anybody working in pensions who thinks that the lifetime allowance should be preserved. Thank you. Thanks very much, Tom. And thanks very much to Steve. And thank you very much uh, for joining us today. And don't forget to read uh, FD Money's cover feature this weekend on how to protect your pension for more information about what to do. Last week, the FT reported that a growing number of British investment funds are declining to pay fees to investment banks for research on stocks and shares in a move that could eventually bring down costs. Daniel Godfrey, the former head of the Investment Association and now FT Money columnist, has turned his attention to the issue this week. As he sees it, fund managers are paying brokers for research that's often unnecessary as part of a wider dealing commission payments, and there's evidence to suggest it's costing savers up to £1.5 billion a year. Daniel, welcome to the FT Money Show. £1.5 billion is a serious amount of money. What are investors paying for and why? Uh, what they are paying for is research that's provided broadly by investment banks to investment managers purportedly to help them make intelligent uh, decisions about how they manage the portfolio. But they're paying for it above and beyond the annual management fees, which they would probably think are the full costs that they're being expected to pay. And it's being included within what's known as the dealing commission that's paid to brokers by funds, so not by fund managers, by the funds and therefore your readers, when fund managers buy and sell shares on their behalf. So part of this dealing commission goes to actually cover the cost of the dealing, but part of it is then returned to the fund manager by way of this research. And there are a couple of problems with this, one of which is 
that it's a very widely held view, both by investment managers and many in the investment banks themselves, that much of this research isn't really adding any value. And the other, of course, is that it's an additional cost for clients. In your column, you argue that the system creates irreconcilable conflicts of interest and cross-subsidy for fund managers and brokers. Can you explain why? Yes, sure. Well, for uh, the investment banks themselves, they are producing research on companies that they may either represent as corporate clients or companies that they may wish to represent as corporate clients. And that does create a conflict of interest. There's a lot of uh, regulation and rules to try to manage it. But it's always impossible to be sure that it's being managed effectively all the time. And we did see some very bad examples of this in the technology boom, where banks were providing very favourable reports on technology companies, which it later transpired they themselves didn't believe in at all. So there's a conflict there. There's also within investment management firms a conflict of interest between their clients so if all of my clients are paying for research, it's impossible to know which clients are getting best value for that research. So how do you show that each client is getting the same value for every pound they spend on research? Additionally, research has in the past been linked very heavily to the amount of trading. The more trading that's done, the more commission is generated, the more research money is generated. But that didn't actually result in more research or better research being provided. So that's, again, a conflict of interest. And then finally, you have the problem cross-subsidy, because if one client is getting greater value than another, one client is being cross-subsidised by another, and that's not the way we should be doing things nowadays. No, indeed, and the industry does seem reluctant to move away from this practice. So how encouraged were you to see that several firms, including Bailey Gifford, have now said publicly that they're going to stop using this system? Do you think that others could now follow? Well, I think they could. This has been an issue that uh, has been a, a hot topic of debate for the last two or three years. And there are many, many good people in investment management who are bending over backwards to manage within the existing system with as much integrity as is possible. But these people all do recognise that we would be better off breaking it apart and starting again with something that's a more conventional market. I think seeing a big European firm like Bailey Gifford make this move is hugely encouraging. But I suspect that it will take some time and it may require regulatory action in the end to finally break this system once and for all on a global basis. Finally, we've got millions more people saving into pensions now. I mean, should this be an issue that is on the radar of pension trustees? Yes, absolutely. This affects pension trustees just as it does investors in funds. And in fact, pension trustees do have the benefit of at least some disclosure of these costs, which fund investors don't get at all. But the problem for a pension trustee is that it's really very, very difficult to understand and get to the bottom of what's really going on, how much uh, of the dealing commissions they're spending is being spent on research, and are they getting fair value for that payment compared to every other client within the firm. Thanks very much. And that was Daniel Godfrey, FD Money columnist and former head of the Investment Association. And you can read Daniel's column online now at ft.com forward slash money. We'd love to know what you think about funds paying for broker research or your views on pension changes and the lifetime allowance or about money matters more generally. And you can get in touch via email and the address is money at ft.com or you can tweet us at ftmoney. And you can leave comments at the foot of individual articles on our website at ft.com forward slash money. There's just time to tell you what else we'll feature in this weekend's issue. Merrin Sumset Webb turns her attention to negative interest rates 
and what they mean for investors. And as usual, we had the latest share tips and directors deals from the Investors Chronicle. The Money Show was edited in London by Naomi Rovnik. We'll be back next week, but for now it's goodbye from me and from our studio guests. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Goodbye.